0: So, this morning, um, we are kind of a standalone uh, sermon between series. And so, last week, we finished our uh, Believe and Belong series, talking about church membership, what are the benefits, but also the expectations of being a part of a local body, uh, being part of a local congregation, And, and ended last week on multiplying, how we're to multiply believers, and how, again, we're not the ones who make believers out of someone. Uh, But God has called us to share his gospel truth. And so we're, as God multiplies believers, we're part of the process in in sharing that. And uh, sometimes that involves going. We talked about how, yes, God brings people to us and puts us in the path of others who need to know him. But sometimes he calls us to go, right, to another place, to share Jesus with someone who doesn't know them. We saw that in scripture last week where Paul was always heavily burdened for places that had not heard the gospel yet, these unreached peoples, and going and sharing with them. Uh, And he had this specific ministry to the Gentiles, right, that the gospel is not just for the Jews, but it was for everyone, Uh, and how um, kind of world-shattering that was for a lot of people to to understand this all-inclusive message of hope and life. We also said we're supposed to multiply disciples. So once someone is trusted in Jesus... Um, they don't get whisked off to heaven, right? We live this life growing in Christ, growing in our faith. And so we uh, are students or followers of Jesus. It means we're disciples of Jesus. And so our role as believers, as we are learning and growing as disciples, is to teach others that they might grow in their faith. And so we invest. We pour ourselves out. We sacrifice. We said we're supposed to multiply ministry. If you see a need, fill a need. God has given us gifts uh, different gifts for different body parts in the body of Christ so that we would do different things, different roles, um, to serve and to um, glorify Jesus in that way. And that was what the multiplied churches, as well uh, as disciples, uh, as as. Believers multiply and disciples are growing, uh, then churches start to form, right? And so we're supposed to be a part of that, just that organizing that body that they would be on mission for Jesus. Uh, And what is our role in that? We're a church plant, right? We are a new church that started. uh, And so we're supposed to be helping others to do that as well. And so we may send, we may support, uh, we may go and be a part of church plants, uh, those gospel goodbyes we talked about. This morning, again, as I mentioned, is kind of a review of uh, just our overall mission as a church. Uh, Our mission statement is to uh, enjoy and extend the grace of God together. Um, So the together part is there because we're together. We're a body uh, of believers, and God has given us grace upon grace to enjoy, to walk in, uh, but not just to enjoy and walk in, to extend to those who don't know him yet. And so uh, this morning we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. And as always with a family service, the, the intention is to have a shorter message today. So we will see how that goes. I feel like every time I say that, it ends up longer. So I may have just cursed us. Um, but Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Paul writes this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh." Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So Paul has just said that we have this ministry as a blessing from God. We carry the light of the gospel. In verse 5, which we didn't read, but the verses that precede the passage we read, he says that we proclaim Jesus and not ourselves. We proclaim not us, but Jesus as Lord. And in the passage we did read in verse 7 and following, uh, Paul compares us to jars of clay. So kind of this idea of uh, a vessel meant to carry something else, simple weak, not necessarily beautiful or attractive, but chosen to bear the treasure of the gospel. So this, he's contrasting kind of this, this mortality, this brokenness, this uh, unworthiness of, of human frailty with the beautiful, immense, glor, glorious treasure that we carry and we bear this gospel. God has chosen us to show this amazing power of the gospel. And that contrast is there to show how amazing the power is, that that if God can use vessels like us, then how amazing must he be, right? Paul would echo this in other places, that if he's the worst sinner ever, as he calls himself, that's why God chose him, so that in the worst sinner, God could display his amazing power and say no one is too terrible for the grace of God. Look how powerful he is. And so we have this treasure of the gospel in jars of clay, as jars of clay, because the gospel belongs to God. The power of the gospel belongs to God and not to us. So the first key to enjoying and extending the grace of God together is we put the spotlight on Jesus. We put the spotlight on Jesus. Psalm 115.1 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Not to us. We're not seeking our own glory, but the glory of God. The Christian life and the life of our church, they're not about us. They're about God. The Westminster Shorter Catechism puts it this way, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The entire reason for our existence is to bring glory to God. And we may say, well, why is it all about him? That seems really selfish, right? That seems really conceited or arrogant and almost minimizes all of what it means to be humans. But instead of looking at it that way, we should kind of flip it and say how great this God must be, that everything it means to be human, how intricate and minute and detailed and unique in the highs and lows and love and loss and all the things that are wrapped up in the essence of just one human being, that all of that is meant to bring glory to God. How glorious and amazing this God must be, that he is uh, owed that glory, that that glory is due to him. Enjoying and extending God's grace are how we glorify God. Glorifying God is magnifying, worshiping, putting the spotlight on Jesus so that his name is known and renowned and revered. In our trials, we hope in Jesus. In our victories, we thank and celebrate Jesus. Our salvation, our forgiveness, our justification, they're all due to Jesus. Paul goes on to write in verse 13, We believe and so we speak. We testify to the truth and the power of Christ in our lives. We don't just enjoy the grace of God, we extend the grace of God. So we're speaking Jesus, but we're also displaying Jesus. How? Look again at verses 10 through 12. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. We deny ourselves to display Christ. We deny ourselves to display Christ. That's point number two. If anybody's taking notes, sometimes deacon does. We deny ourselves to display Jesus. Paul says that we always carry the death of Jesus so that his life may be manifested in us. As Jesus laid down his life, we surrender ourselves as living sacrifices, Scripture says. So we go on living, walking through life, but in this continual denial of self, denial of our flesh, not to punish ourselves or deny ourselves any kind of joy. We've talked about this before, but so that we might get out of the way, right? Constantly taking up our crosses, as Jesus said in Luke nine twenty-three, to crucify the desires of our flesh and submit to the Spirit so that we might be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus. And then naturally, As we get out of the way and Jesus is on display in us, others are blessed through that, right? Because Jesus is about loving and blessing others as well and showing others the grace that he has shown us, the mercy he has shown us. We deny ourselves by looking not only to our own interests, Scripture says, but the interests of others. It it specifically says um, not only to your own interests, right? It's not saying forget completely about yourself, And, you know, to your own detriment or your own loss or some kind of self-abuse, that's not what Scripture is saying. It says, don't forget about others. Don't be so wrapped up in yourself, so selfish that you forget about the people around you. And when Jesus is on display through us and we bear the fruit of the Spirit, it blesses others. And so we deny ourselves by looking to the interests of others. We surrender our hopes and our dreams and our aspirations to Jesus' direction For our lives. Again, not in this kind of fatalistic, I guess I'll just never have anything good. It's this surrender to say what Jesus wants for me is better than what I want for myself. Jesus has more good in store for me than I can imagine for myself. And so that struggle, that surrender of of laying down what we want to do for his agenda, his direction. We deny ourselves. in this way, uh, as David Platt uh, used to say, uh, maybe he still says this, but I, I've heard him say several times that uh, our lives are, are these blank checks before the Lord, right? Uh, and in reality, I mean, that, the, the account it's drawing on is all from God anyway, but uh, we're, we're managing that, we're stewarding that, and so he says, because of that truth, we should just say, here's, here's my life. Jesus, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, that's what I want to do. We serve, we give, we use our gifts to build up others. Uh, We often refer to these as our time, our talents, our treasures. Um, As I've said many times before, we're blessed to be a blessing. Any good gift that we possess is something that God has allowed us to manage or steward in such a way that reflects our faith in Him anyway. We manage the blessings He's entrusted to us for His purposes, and He's called us to live generously. When we're generous, we reflect Jesus. It's the character of God and Jesus on display. When we're kind, we reflect Jesus. When we're forgiving, when we're loving, when we're truthful, when we're patient, when we're joyful, all these good characteristics that are really the heart of God on display through us, we reflect Jesus. And so we're displaying Jesus to those around us. It's John the Baptist who said, He must increase, I must decrease. The more that we get out of the way, the more Jesus is on display. It's this minimizing of self in light of Christ. Again, not to say that we don't uh, matter in the existence of all of the universe. We do matter. God loves us. We matter enough that God sent his son to die, that we might be reconciled to him. But in perspective, in relation to God, it should be we're, we're unworthy, we surrender to you, and that's where we find our true fulfillment and our true meaning in what God has created us to be. If we'll put the spotlight on Jesus and deny ourselves to let him work through us, others can experience the same abundant life that we found in him. And so, again, don't just get caught up in enjoying the grace of God, but extending the grace of God. That's why verse 15 says, As grace extends to more and more, thanksgiving increases. It's the idea, again, that if missions exist because worship doesn't, We can be uh, so thankful for the grace that Jesus has shown us and walking in that truth and embracing the mercy He's shown us and the forgiveness He's shown us. And we worship the Lord and bring glory to Him. But if our purpose is to magnify the glory of God and to increase the glory of God, then our role in extending the grace of God to others so that then we're not the only ones worshiping, but others are brought into the family of God and worship Him as well, then more worship is happening. More thanksgiving is increasing. And so Paul says that grace is extended so that thanksgiving and worship is multiplied. Again, as we enjoy and extend the grace of God together, more people come to worship him, and glory is increased. We ultimately exist for that glory anyway, his glory, right? We bring him glory by enjoying and extending his grace. That's not easy. Um, Jesus never said it would be easy. He said to take up your cross this instrument of torture and death and punishment, Uh, he said take it up daily, right? Daily. We talked about being a living sacrifice, constantly denying ourselves, constantly giving ourselves over to his will and denying our flesh. It's not just a few temporary sacrifices or when it's convenient or when I feel like it. He said every day, kill the flesh inside you that pits itself against the spirit of God. The flesh and the Spirit deny opposite, uh, um, desire opposite things. And so as we deny our flesh, we submit to the Spirit. We are crucifying our flesh daily so that Christ might be on display. This will become more consistent in our lives if we'll focus on eternity instead of the earthly. This is our final point. We focus on eternity. We focus on eternity. Verse 18 says, we're to look at the unseen because... Unseen things are eternal. The things we see, the things we pine for, the things we get distracted by, the things that we normally rearrange our time, talents, and treasure for are not going to last. They're tempting. They're shiny. They're fun for a moment. But that's not what will truly fulfill us, and they're not eternal. The things that tempt us, and convince us, they'll fulfill us, but they don't. Even the setbacks, the trials, the tragedies, the things that throw us off course or discourage us, they're transient, they're temporary. Paul is writing to a a persecuted group and says this this light, momentary, right, this affliction is for a time. Think about eternity, the grand scheme of eternity. This is a blip on the radar. So whether it's good and you think it's this good is going to last forever, it won't or whether it's bad and you think, I can never see the light at the end of this tunnel. It will never get better. This is just the worst, and there's no hope. It won't last either. God has called us to eternal living, eternal perspectives. Solomon, again, in our series through Ecclesiastes, would call these things vapor, meaningless, just vanity, chasing the wind, something that you can pursue but never accomplish, never finish, just running yourself ragged. But if we can focus on eternity, we will not lose heart, but will be renewed day by day, Scripture tells us. So the questions before us this morning, what's keeping us from putting the spotlight on Jesus? What's keeping us focused on ourselves? What are we um, not denying ourselves so that Jesus can be displayed in our lives? What temporary things are we focused on that may be causing us to lose heart? or lose sight of the mission that God has called us to? Who has God placed in our lives that only we can extend the grace of God to? That God has put us in the, the, the path, the, the, the places, uh, the lives of others around us, and called us to share a message, to share a message of hope, and of joy, and of true fulfillment. So what is keeping us from doing that, right? Is it some kind of fear, fear of rejection? Is it uh, this maybe we lack faith? Maybe we're not grasping the grace that God has called us to, to really appreciate it and really are convinced that, man, this is the answer for everyone. You've got to hear this. You've got to know this. We're normally pretty good at enjoying God's grace, right? At least the easy-to-enjoy parts. But how are we at enjoying the graces of, of discipline or, or loss How are we at enjoying the grace of Bible study or prayer or tithing? Not that they're joyful in the moment, but our hearts are content and at peace because we know that God is working in those trials and in those tragedies and in those hard things that produce discipline in us. They're all graces from God. We're to enjoy them in addition to extending his grace to others. All to the glory of God. And if we don't think we need these reminders this morning, it's because, again, we're only seeing the blessings at face value as graces in our lives. This prosperity gospel, this you know, health and wealth comes to mind. Um, in words, we would never agree. I don't think if, if we put the statement out there, we would never say that God only promises us health and wealth. But in reality, what do our lives look like? Do we recognize his grace in all the different ways? The ones that aren't so easy or fun, some that take time, years to experience, because the manifold grace of God, as Scripture says, manifold, it's easy for me to define because it's many folds, right? You just say there's, so you think you found, oh, this is the end of God's grace, and then you turn it, and there's, oh, there's another aspect to it. It's like a a, a bri- brilliant diamond, right? That's cut so beautifully. If you turn, you continue to turn it. The light reflects, re- reflects, and refracts in different ways as you turn it in the light. Because there's so many different intricate pieces and parts to it. That's the manifold grace of God. If I look at my life this way, man, doesn't? I mean, I think I've come to the end of God's grace. No, you you will never come to the end of end of God's grace. Change your perspective on it. See what God is doing. What eternal thing is he working through your life? Sometimes it takes a measure of maturity, right, to enjoy the manifold grace of God. And so that's on us, to grow in the Lord so that we can see, that we can turn life and say, oh, I see the the hand of God in this. This suffering, this tragedy, this trial, this discipline, this hard thing. If I just turn it, I can see God's grace. That's how we mature and grow in him. Paul knew that it was difficult, right? We're challenged by this as well. We've got to pursue this reality for ourselves and for our church. We can only enjoy and extend God's grace together if we'll put the spotlight on Jesus and deny ourselves and focus on eternity. This is the mission, the challenge before us. The last seven weeks, we talked about kind of the this is the, the, the daily in and out, kind of this is what it means for the church to exist and, uh, and go about its business. But the purpose of all of it is this, to put the spotlight on Jesus and deny ourselves and focus on eternity. If we don't do that, guys, then, then, then this, this church, this body, won't, it won't continue, right? We can't sustain that. If we're not on mission, if we're not displaying and sharing the grace of God with others, if we just think, we'll just we just enjoy God's grace, we can do that. But together, that part's going to fall away. And so we need to be challenged by this message this morning as we celebrate grace upon grace. And we have the amazing pleasure and uh, joy of celebrating God's grace in Caitlin's life. So in just a few minutes... We're going to get to baptize her. I'm going to get to baptize her. You guys are going to watch. We're not all going to take turns, uh, but we'll do that. Andrew's going to come lead us in a couple of songs. I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then I think the next time you'll see us, we'll be in the water back there. Uh, I'm wondering, because we are a smaller family, if you guys want to, after the songs, get as close as you want. Uh, You can get up in that choir loft if you want to, or up on the stage. Um... Just because we want, as a family, to celebrate that and, uh, and celebrate Caitlin and God's grace in her life. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for every day. God, I pray that we would be a people who um, grow in you to a point that we can see your grace in every high and low and in between. If the Christian life seems boring and mundane, God, that you would help us to appreciate that if that's our struggle. If the Christian life seems hard and uh, too disciplined and, and too uh, rigorous, God, help us to appreciate your grace in that. God, if, if it's hard for us to appreciate grace, if we're, uh, we like rules and we like justice and we want to see people treated the way that the world would treat them for doing wrong, and God, help us to see our sin in your grace towards us and your grace for others. Let us be a people, Lord, that, are, that grow and, and mature in Christ so much that we can look at all of life and say, this is grace upon grace. And we enjoy your grace, God. We enjoy the grace of study and of discipline and of celebration and of freedom and of forgiveness. All the grace that you've given us, grace upon grace, the manifold grace of God. But God, let us not stop there. Let us be a people who extend your grace to others. You have shown us grace. As we display Jesus, we should be showing others grace. And we thank you, God. God, I praise you. And on on paper, on paper, it's a comma and the word together. But that means so much. We do not walk through the Christian life alone. And it's not just with you that makes us not alone. You have given us brothers and sisters in Christ. You've given us a spiritual family. I thank you for this spiritual family. I thank you that we are a spiritual family who gets to celebrate the faith of a sister in Christ today, to celebrate your grace in her life. What a beautiful testimony. God, I thank you that her daughter gets to see it, gets to witness, maybe not fully understanding what mama is doing, but God, that she can see that testimony to you, that surrender, that obedience to you. God, we praise you for that. Thank you for allowing us to be spiritual family to Caitlin and to Tilly. And God, we praise you for all of it, for all of your grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.